It's Enrico Palazzo! Yeah. <laughs> How about that? Episode 8 of Hey, It's Enrico Palazzo Baseball Podcast. Today's episode features a very special guest. It's Mike Curland of the Bases Loaded Network. Check out Mike and all his associates, including this podcast, at thebasesloadednetwork.com. So settle in as Mike talks shop with your host, Michael Govier. Take it away, Mikes. Greetings and salutations. It's Michael Govier. And it's the Enrico Palazzo Baseball Podcast. How you doing out there tonight or this morning? Wherever you are, thank you for making us part of your day in whatever fashion that is. It's just me today. There's no Chris. Chris is off this week. Working very hard, dedicating his life to the youngsters of Ann Arbor. This week we have a very special little treat. We have Mike Curlin on from the Bases Loaded Network. It is our very first guest. We've never had a guest on this show. So this is exciting for us. Really looking forward to uh, seeing what you guys think of this. It was very informal. We uh, did a little shine or ride the pine put mike on the spot but in classic mike curlin fashion he did not answer with quick hitters which is what ride or shine the pine shine or ride the pine is supposed to be supposed to be hey yes or no is he gonna shine or is this guy gonna ride the pine very simple based on the scenario we give you but mike went in depth (laughs) he took it to another level so that was really a lot of fun Uh, i want to thank mike for joining us um, we are going to have another guest that I already recorded yesterday. We'll be releasing that on Friday night, so it'll be available this weekend. He's another member of the Bases Loaded Network, so that's somewhat of a spoiler, but you can try to guess who it is. Great guy. So many great people. I know it sounds cheesy. It's like, dude, shut up already. We get it. You're humping these guys. But they're actually great dudes. And it's fun to talk baseball. I never realized how fun, or maybe I just forgot how enjoyable it is to sit down and talk about stats and your favorite players and guys that you don't think will live up to what the expectations are of other people. It's great. It really is enjoyable. And embarking on this endeavor has really been a very special experience. And we've only been doing it for two months, so, man... I feel very fortunate, and I'm grateful that people have let me into their lives, and I thank you for letting me into your life. Listening to our pod, taking the time to email us, which you can always do, Palazzo Podcast on Twitter, and Palazzo Podcast at ProtonMail.com. Two L's, two Z's. You gotta have it down by now. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. We would love to get iTunes ratings. 
leave us some feedback. We will read them on the air. I happily will read anything that you send us. Any communication from Twitter, Instagram, iTunes ratings, any other rating, direct messages, send them out. We will happily read them on the show and respond. We'd love to get your fantasy questions, and we will continue to do that. So connect with us. That's what makes this probably the most enjoyable part of this is connecting with people, learning about people's ideas on players, whether we agree or not. I'm totally down to have an argument about a player, but at the same time, I'm not doing it for hot take radio. Not the focus here at all. It's just an honest debate or an honest discussion. If I genuinely feel in my heart of hearts that somebody's going to be who I think they're going to be, then I'm going to say that. And you should say that too. If you're a big DJ LeMayhew fan, then you got to wear it hard on the sleeve for DJ. Ride or die. Ride or die with Charlie Blackman. If that's your guy, do it. Who cares if he's 33 years old and he can't steal bases anymore? It doesn't matter. So special shout-out to League 25 of the TGFBI. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for... Just being cool dudes. I'm really excited for the season to kick off. My draft is done. I'm finishing up my Raz Slam draft as we speak. I think we're in round 18, something like that. Slow drafts have been a whole new experience for me. What a world a slow draft is. But then suddenly four hours flies by, and especially when you're living your life and doing things during the day, you think you have all the time in the world, but then four hours goes like that. So TGFBI League 25, you guys rule. Uh, my home league, my original home league, shout out, BYB, bless you boys. What up, though? Love you guys. I love being in the league. It's a flawed league, but I love every imperfection. Shout out to Scott. Thanks, Scott, for running the league. BYB 2020, our draft is done, so I can't wait to see who comes out on top this year. I won last year, two out of three, but we got some new blood in here. And we got some veterans who are pissed. Looking forward to see how that plays out. Otherwise, uh, gosh, I'm in so many leagues, it's hard to keep track. Nobody wants to hear about my leagues, but I want to give shout-outs and thank yous to people I am playing in leagues with. Uh, the PKP League, uh, Bear Walling, being in a league with him. He's a cool dude. Check him out on Twitter. He invited me to the league, and I'm a part of it now. We are getting close to wrapping up the first 30 rounds, and then the last 10 rounds are specifically just for minor leagues. And you can't draft a player if he's still rookie eligible until the last 10 picks after the first 30 rounds. So guys like Nick Solak and uh, Japanese imports, they're not being added yet because they're technically rookies and they are minor league qualifiers. So that's interesting. Okay, so Mike Curlin is here. We're Palazzo Podcast. Hey, it's Enrico Palazzo Baseball Podcast, Episode 8. Talking shop with Mike Curlin. Thank you so much for listening to our pod. Please give us ratings. Give us feedback. Any way you can do it, we really would appreciate it greatly. Thank you so much. Now enjoy the one and only Mike Curlin. So we're very, very pleased to have a very special guest today, Mike Curland of Bases Loaded Network, the founder, the podfather, the lord of this arena. Thank you, Mike, for joining us. 
Oh, my pleasure, man. The Podfather. I love that, man. That's awesome. Thank you. That might be played out. I think Bill Simmons uh, called himself the Podfather, and then someone else who invented the podcast calls him that. But in our world, to me, that's how I'm going to look at it. <laughs> it's all good. So, first, we wanted I wanted to tell everyone, since they can listen, personally, thank you so much for letting us join your network with the Plaza Podcast. It's been very exciting for us. Um, I've met a lot of interesting people through this, so I'm very grateful to have this experience. And I just want everyone to know that we're grateful. Well, no, I appreciate that, man. And it's just the goal. I think I told you this, like, my goal is just to give you as much extra exposure as I can, kind of build this network up and take people with me. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a selfish person. I'm just, I'm very much into like, let's do this together because that's how it's going to continue to grow. And it is what it is. So, I mean, I appreciate it. I have a hard time taking any type of compliment. I've never been that guy that's like, oh yeah, you know what? You're welcome. I can't. I mean, pretty humble guy. And it's still very, it's very surreal to me. I mean, I'm surprised. I'm actually just happy to have this platform that I've been able to build up to even have a network, you know what I mean? So it's still mind-blowing a little bit. Of course it is. This is mind-blowing for me. This is a first guest I've ever had and I'm doing right now. So it's kind of overwhelming, but it's very exciting. So thank oh, you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Hopefully it's the first of many. And Mike's playing hurt, by the way. He's not feeling great. So way to stick it out, Mike. You are a pro. I'm always sick, dude. I, I told you right before we started, uh, between my job as a uh, – I'm a firefighter paramedic by trade, for those who don't know. And I deal with sick – literally deal with sick people for a living, essentially. And then my wife's a teacher, so she deals with sick kids for a living. Oh. And then we have, and, and then we have kids. So there is literally always something going around in this house, at the firehouse, somewhere. So, yeah, I'm always on the IL. Like, I'm always, I'm always hurting, man. So it's all yeah. good, though, I'm here. I used to be a teacher myself, so I totally get that. I taught yeah. high school studies for five years. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm glad to not be doing that anymore. So, all right. So, on the brighter side of things, so Mike, uh, we have a smaller audience, but for the people that don't know you, um, who are you? What are you into? And what is the Bases Loaded Network? All right. So, that's a loaded question. What am I? I'm a, I'm a mess. Yeah, who are um, you? Tell me. Who, who am I? Uh, I'm just just a guy, man. Just a guy who really loves doing this, just like you. I'm no different than anybody else that gets started doing this. I guess the only difference would be is a lot of people burn out doing this, and I just embraced it. Like, I went all in right away. I started a podcast literally in February of last year. Just It's been about a year, and then I'd say the end of February this year or early March is when I launched the, the website on a whim because I write for fan tracks. My podcast actually is sponsored by Rotoballer. But yet, I decided to launch my own network with that name. So now it's like, I have. So I was like, well, I still post my podcast to the website, but it's it's odd. But so it's like that's a little bit of my background as far as where I am. As and then I, I decided, you know what, this this uh, Rotoballer doesn't want certain podcasts. The fan trackers didn't want certain articles. So I was like, well, screw it. I need a place to put it all because I'm doing it anyway. And I was like, I just put, put one day. I was like, you know, what? I'm doing a site. This is what happens. And then of course, me being me, not just being, you know what. It's just going to be for fun, just for me to post my extra stuff. I decided to hire five writers. Like, so I'm, I'm paying writers. Like, I never thought there would be a dad be paying writers. So I'm paying writers. Um, I was like, well, you know what? Let's see if anybody wants to put their podcast on the site. So I reached out to you and Open Bar, guys I like. You guys bring you guys have a, different, a little different of a style than I do, which is great. I, I wanted that. The idea is to highlight different styles. I don't want to just, like, my podcast, I, I obviously, I love my podcast, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm I'm aware. I'm I'm very self-aware as far as I know. Not my style is not for everybody. So I'm like, well, let me try to get let me get somebody else with a little different styles. Let me try to get them some exposure. Let me put them on the site. Get them so people can just find them. And I was like, so I reached out to you. I reached out to Open Bar, and you two are the only two I've reached out to. I did ask one other guy, but I, I don't want to throw. I, I keep bothering him. It's a good friend of mine. So 
brother. But I'm keeping it very simple because obviously I don't. I'm already a little overwhelmed, to be honest. But it's because I, I don't know how to take things slow. I just like to jump right in, and I'm just like I said, I'm just a guy, man. I started a year ago, and I'm just doing everything I can. I'm networking like crazy. I, I talk. I can't shut up. So it's like I'm always finding somebody or something to talk about. And honestly, man, I just love sharing what I find. It is, I mean, I put this ahead of my draft. Like, I my buddies, my I draft with all my buddies that know my that they all either a do this with me or b just happen to know i do this so they all have access to my stuff and i just put i put giving my information out over my own personal gain of drafting i it's a decision you have to make not everybody's like that i personally enjoy sharing it and trying to help other people win it's just a little bit about me i don't know if i i don't know i'm trying to think if there's anything i missed i just that's here, great no, I'm I'm uh i guess i guess when it comes to talking about myself usually i, I it's it's hard. It's weird. Anyways. The question is, is it worth it? Um, there's times where I feel like I, I think about, I'm not going to lie. There's times where I'm like, is it really worth it? And then literally I'm like doing this right now with you. I'm like, hell yeah, it's worth it. I love this man. <laughs> um, it's, it's a huge sacrifice though. Cause I mean, again, I'm not making much at all. Like I'm making a little bit, but I'm literally reinvesting it into my site. I, I literally take, I've taken the money I've made. I've bought better mics. My mic, my mic setup was a little more money. I've, I've reinvested everything I've made into everything. I'm pay, I guess I'm taking what I make and I'm paying my own writers because the idea is to get, keep my writers around, get them excited, help them want to get better as well. So it's like, and plus I understand as somebody who takes time and puts a lot of time into this, that everybody's time is valuable. Everybody. Like if you do this, your time is valuable to me. So I do what I can. I mean, I don't pay a lot. Like it's pennies basically. Like <laughs> I don't make a lot either, but the point, the goal is, is like the fact that, <clears throat> People don't, you know, you can you, you can write for free anywhere. I'm actually turning down free writers because I refuse to not be able to pay them. I just don't. I, I feel like it's. I don't know. That's weird. I, like I rather be. I rather keep a, a small group of people paid versus adding people that are not paid. I just. I don't know, man. I'm trying to. I'm trying to do it what I feel is the right way. Because I don't get me wrong. I, I I wrote for free. I, I wrote for free and did everything for free for like a good for a little bit of time. Not as long as a lot of people. Maybe six or seven months, which that's not long compared to a lot of people. You hear people working for free for like three four years yeah i've been very fortunate um and again i i got picked up my fan tracks and that's been it's been a blast i mean i was lucky enough to be a finalist for an fswa uh, fswa award which uh for those don't for those who don't know it's the fantasy sports writers association and uh that's actually one of my questions was it it was <laughs> uh, you that you lost <laughs> oh yeah dude i was okay so here's the thing first off i didn't expect to even be a finalist like that so there was this high of like oh my god i'm a finalist like my my work has been acknowledged as being good you know what i mean like that blew my mind yeah and then i went through the whole then like, like the whole okay well now i gotta win this thing like it went from like if, if i made the finalist if I, if I was a finalist now it's like you know what screw this I, sh I, I should win it why can't i win it and then i find out i didn't win it and i was like oh cool okay so it was like really it was really upsetting but at the same time it kind of it, it kind of lit lit the fire so to speak so now it's like i've i've tried because I think the more analytical the work, the better your odds are of winning. And I, so I was like, you know what? Because my deep dives, I think that's, that's another thing. I honestly don't even know what I was up for the best baseball series. Like, I entered one thing of my own, and then a buddy of mine actually entered a thing of mine without asking, which was really cool of him. He didn't have to. He's like, yeah, why not? And so I had two series entered, and I'm not sure which one. I'm pretty sure it's my deep dives because those are the most analytical. So I decided to get a little more into the analytics. But I take pride in – trying my best and i think i do a good job of taking those like those numbers let's be honest the average fan doesn't know what the heck and what the heck those numbers are it is what it is i i'm cool with that but i try to i do my best to try to take 
all that information and break it down into simplest terms, into layman's terms. Like, I just want to make it, I want to take it like, look, he has O swing of this, swing strike rate of this, blah, blah, blah. What this basically means, as I'll say the end, is what this basically means is he swings at too many pitches outside the zone. Yeah. And, and he doesn't make enough contact. Like, and I think people, I've, I've gotten good feedback. People typically appreciate that because, again, the average fan and the analytics, analytics are very, very daunting for a lot of people. And honestly, I just got into them, again, a year ago. I literally, when I, when I died, if, I don't know if you've noticed yet. I know we just kind of started talking a little more. But when I get into something, I, I literally div- just put everything into it. Like, I just, I just go. I just go I get for that. it. So. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, I just go for it. That's how, that's how this happened. So, that's sorry, one of the things I noticed being a new potter, how difficult it was. And I didn't want to overwhelm the audience with because I was diving in on WOBA, ex-WOBA. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. You know, I don't want to sound smart just to sound smart. There's useful stats. I mean, but I don't know if that's who I was necessarily. So I started to simplify it a little bit more so it was easier for the typical person to understand. We don't know who the audience is yet. I'm still learning a lot. But that is a fine line of trying to figure out the – analytics versus too much analytics or just conveying it in a way that still makes sense you can understand what the player's output or projections are exactly and i um i try i honestly if if there's a podcast that's been around longer than mine that i think i'm almost mirroring in a sense because it's just a style i like it's a sleeper in the bust as far as um that's one of my favorite podcasts i still listen to when when i can dude i have no time to listen to podcasts half the time anymore but the legend when I, when, I, when I do, it's one of those. And it's, I, I enjoy the little bit of banter they have, but they usually give some analytical answers, but they also break it down. Some, it's a kind of like living in that middle ground of analytics and surface stats. Like they kind of live in that middle ground. And I like that style a lot. And I think our podcast is like, if, like that's like, we're like a poor man's sleeper in the bus. Like I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's the style I've really enjoyed as a consumer. So that's the style I try to give out and convey as, a, as a, someone who produces content now. So. Yeah, Sleeper and Bust is the legendary. I mean, they're yeah. like 800, almost 800 episodes in, and everybody knows Sleeper and the Bust. And well, they do a, a great job of having a community and a connection and a rapport, mm-hmm. also giving you great content. So Spore and Mason and those guys do a great job, no doubt about it. Uh, I was going to say, I actually had something to say about that real quick, and I just blanked. Dude, I got, I got clogged up brain right now probably. No big deal. Let's go. <laughs> no sweat, Mike. No sweat. I uh, – was going to ask you what one of your personal favorite pods were as a listener yourself. So it's good to know Sleeper in the Bus. I'm sure that there's other writers you enjoy and to listen to. You're so busy that it's limited. Um, yeah, I, I've i been trying to do Rates and Barrels a lot. Uh, Eno and, you know, DVR. I call DVR the smooth jazz voice of a, of podcasting, man. That, that voice is something. I'll tell you what. He has the voice of a podcaster for sure. He's the host of hosts. But uh, that's what I like to listen to a lot because it's just – it has a la- – and I, I had a chance to meet those guys at First Pitch Florida. They are, just as they come off, very laid back, very mild-mannered. And they – it's just – so that, that one's enjoyable because, yeah, again, they're a little more analytical than your average one, but they are – again, it's just a, it's a very laid back vibe. If you haven't noticed, I prefer to be laid back. Or at least I prefer to listen to laid back stuff because I'm very high-strung and high – kind of always going, high energy. So it's, a, the, uh, the op- it's almost like opposites attract with me because Spore is very much the same way, kind of laid back again. So it's like I, I tend to gravitate towards those. But um, there's one that more for entertainment value because it's my very first podcast I ever listened to. And I actually was talking to Chris Towers about this on, on our podcast was uh, CBS. CBS is for me, and it's like one of the, it's probably the, I think it's the top fantasy baseball podcast. And I think it's just because of how long it's been around. And for me, it's more for entertainment value. I've been, it's, it's a nostalgic thing. It's 
I listened to that one and I just have always enjoyed the personalities on that show. And sometimes entertainment value has more value than, than like what, like that's what people want. They want to be entertained sometimes. So uh, for me, that one's one of them. And I think of course, um, of course, open bar and Hey, it's Amigo Plaza. Of course. Um, <laughs> please, please, Mike, please. No, uh, I've, uh, dude, I obviously, I didn't reach out without listening to your podcast. So obviously I've, I've listened to an episode or two and obviously, so I'm, I, I, I wouldn't just invite you if I didn't like what you were doing on your end. So no, that's not who you are. I, I wouldn't think that. Um, I was wondering if you were a fan of Matt Williams since you guys started doing this quality start pod, or was it just kind of a natural match? Um, oh, yeah. I, I feel like Matt Williams. Okay, so I'll, I'll just say it. He's the other guy I've been bugging about joining the network just because I, again, <laughs> we work so closely together. And yeah. the Turn 2 podcast is actually really good. And I've told, I've told Matt this. He is a better host than me. He's a great host of a podcast. He makes it run very well. He is. And I'm the guy that he's like, you feed me questions. That's perfect. Because if you, you feed me, I, I can just go. And as a as a host, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, when I host, I have to kind of pull back a little bit, and I'm not good at pulling back. Obviously, I'm very very. Let's do this. Let's go. Like I just all or nothing. About, I just want I just want to share my thoughts, and I know not, not everybody wants to just hear me talk, but I definitely want to share my thoughts. And the problem is, is I have to kind of give my give, I have to kind of lead other people into it. So I'm okay with hosting. I'm not bad at it because I'm 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 good at keeping conversations going. I'm just a conver- natural conversationalist, but. Matt Williams is a really good, um, a really good host and a great guy overall. I've never, I had zero issues with him, and the Quality Start podcast as a whole was just kind of. I think I approached him was like, "Hey, we both have mornings off a lot." And I told you, like, like right now, we're me and you are recording in the morning. I have mornings off a lot. I was like, "Hey, two to three days a week, do you want to get together and just do a quick little thirty minute podcast in the morning? Maybe, um, maybe talk about games. Like as the season goes on, we'll just break down like a few days worth of games and standouts and all that. Just kind of something that's." It's getting, it's done a little bit. I think, excuse me, I think Pitcher List does it and some, but not many. And I think there's a market for it. And Matt and I really do get along really well. So it was kind of like a, it was kind of just like a, an idea. I went to him and he ran with it. He created the logo. He's been all about it. And unfortunately, our, 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 uh, we don't line up all the time as far as availability, but for the most part, it's, it works out and, our, and we, we enjoy it. It's that, that that's just, just simply, simply something we enjoy. We, uh, we obviously get, we get along pretty well. We have a good rapport and it just works. And again, he's mild mannered. I'm high strong and it just, it's a good fit. Yeah. I listened to your last pod and it was really up tempo, but a lot of great information. I like the speed of it and I still absorbed it all. So I think it's a really good connection. You guys are onto something there. Maybe we'll see. Oh boy! You never know in this world, Mike. You never know. Well, here's the thing: it could, it could be good one day. Next thing you know, everybody hates it. It's weird. It's <laughs> all about it's all about how Twitter re- receives it, man. Twitter is your make or break. Twitter decides all these days. It is. You could be canceled tomorrow, Mike. You never know. <laughs> the MLB can come at me and be like, "Yeah, your stuff is like copyright." I was like, "What do you mean it's copyright? It's my intro or something?" I don't know. Like, yeah. It's just weird. It's weird like that because I was talking to Pollock about that, and Pollock. I don't know if you know, but Pollock, uh, the MLB actually like. Made make him made him take down a site or something back in the day because he was oh like, yeah making creating gifts or something so I'm not doing anything like that but you never know man I don't, it's it's crazy God forbid we're having fun and promoting their work but anyway it's a whole yeah. other discussion that is a whole other discussion hey if you're into copyright law tune in next week <laughs> uh, okay um I want <laughs> you know I know you're not gonna answer this but um so you've got Zach Braff and SP Streamer part of the bases loaded network right and George Fontanez. And of course, George. Yeah, absolutely. I have to make sure everybody gets their clip. Okay, here's you know you'll be surprised. We'll answer. Go ahead. You'll be very surprised. 
people say uh, I don't have a favorite child, but which one of these guys is the best? Which one of these guys is the number one analyst on your team? All right. Well, it's very. It's actually a nitpicky answer. When it comes to pitchers, I've I've told it. Mike really is the best when it comes to pitchers. But he 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 admits that his hitting his hitting side of things needs some work. But he's SP streamer, and he has his own podcast about pitching. So the guy knows pitching, and he's second to none. He is second to none. It, it's it's true. It is what it is. Um, when it comes to pitching, and he's actually made me great, like a lot better at breaking down pitching. Is because of him. Like, I've always bothered him. Hey, what is like? How do I look at this? How do I do this? So Mike, when it comes to pitching, second to none. Zach is. Even Zach, Zach will tell you he's not the most analytical. He's a good uh, co-host as far as, like, he just kind of giving his opinion, giving his thoughts, things he sees. And he'll break down the stats a little bit, but he, he knows he's not, like, quote, unquote, the strongest, whatever. And then you have George, who's kind of an all-around guy. And then you have me, who's the best, obviously. But um, <laughs> I actually <laughs> like Zach's voice, by the way. I heard him. I really do. When I listen I, to I call him, I call him monotone, man. He's just he's like <laughs> – He said that to me, and I'm like, actually – it's there's some depth to it. It's got a little bottom end that I like. That I was got a little uh, bass, little bass, yeah, little bass. Yeah, Zach's good. Dude, my team. I, I've been very fortunate, man. This has been a great team I got together over here on the podcast, and they've kind of like Mike has his own site, but George and Zach have transitioned over to the whole network with me, so they've been helping out. But as far as like, like I said, the best analyst. It's hard because everybody and like you said, yeah, I guess you're right. I didn't really. I'm indirectly answering it, like circling around it because. Again, it's just hard because everybody – I've worked with these guys for over a year now, um, Mike, for about six months or so, and everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses, and it's just – I'm aware of those. Uh, We're just having a little shit. fun. You know, no, no. Nobody no, has – I know <laughs> no you're trying to – Don't hear anything, so. No, I know you're trying to have fun, but I, I, it's sad because I actually want to answer this, but I'm having a hard time because I don't think there truly is an answer. And it's like I'm, I'm giving the boring, like the typical – like, if it's a points league, this is it. If this is a murder league, this is it. Like, I give that answer but about my guys, so. Well, I actually look at you. reason I didn't say George is I look at you and George as, like, the parents of it. Even though you run the show, but George is your co-host, fair to say, or he's always on the bases loaded pod, always. Yeah, I bother. I, George and I – well, George, my availability is late at night. If it's at night if, – if it's unless it's in the morning, which none of my guys are available because, you know, they work regular jobs, not like us. But at night, George is – George is on the West Coast, so – I have to. I, I stay up late because I have kids anyway, so it works out. It just works out well. And Zach, Zach's been dealing with a lot of moving. He's been he was on a lot more, but he's been he just got moved up to uh, New Jersey again, and he's been going through all that. So and he has a, the young he has the baby, so it's been a lot harder for him to get on as much. But so yeah, it's pretty much uh, it's been a lot of George and I lately. Mike has again. Mike he's still part of it. He just has his own stuff going on, so he's just as busy as I am. So yeah, it's been a lot of me and George, which is fine because George is awesome. George is off. Zach sucks. I think George, uh, as we transition here, we want to talk a little bit about TGFBI and your team. I really like George's team. I love his analysis of certain players that I fall in love with. So I like to think me and George are like two minds of the like when it comes to player analysis. But the TGFBI is done for most people. Uh, We finally finished. I'm in League 25. It took forever. It took us a good two weeks to get it done. It was the longest draft I've ever been a part of. Because I had not done a lot of slow drafts. But you are in League 14, Mike, with some big hitters like Tristan Cockcroft, Ariel Cohn, as we mentioned, and, of course, your partner, Grime George. So uh, yeah. the one thing that, I, that stood out to me about your team 
is four of the first 11 picks were Dodgers. I just don't know if that was random chance. Are you a Dodgers fanatic or is it just the best offense in baseball and you want to be a part of it? Because one of them was a pitcher, Walker Bueller being your first pick. Yeah, I didn't even realize that until just now until you said something. I had no idea because I don't look at – I've been very good at this, and I'm a Marlins fan, so maybe it makes it a lot easier. I'm You're a Marlins, Marlins fan? fan? Yes, they exist. I'm one of them. Wow. Um, so as a Marlins fan, maybe it's a lot easier, but I don't have bias. I look at these like these are all pieces to a, ch- a game of chess. The goal is to you know checkmate. So I just sit there. I, look, I try to put together best. I try to put together the best constructed team, like the most well-rounded team. And according to Fancy Pros, I failed. But <laughs> for those who don't know, my Fancy Pros score was a C minus. But I think it's because I took a little more chances chances than I usually take because knowing I knew there was waivers. Mm-hmm. I knew there'd be waivers, and I back on the back end of the uh, on the back end of the draft with my bench, I, I kind of got some safer options for the offensive side of things. But I don't know. I kind of took some chances with some young guys in this league, knowing again, knowing that there was some waivers, knowing I, go, I could use some fab, and yeah, I'm kind of lacking in saves. But overall, that's just a, kind of a broad spectrum look of my team. But I don't know. I like this. I like this team more. So maybe this makes me question my analysis though. I like this team so much and. I have a C minus grade from fantasy pros. It's like, okay, cool. Well, yeah, they, I mean, they're very good, but you know, like we said, they don't know everything and there's a lot of variables where things change during the season. So, and plus, as you said, fob and waivers can change everything. I think people get caught up in the draft dictating, Hey, the draft is, this is it. This is my team. But we all know there's going to be injuries and so many changes during the season, guys that will rise that we don't think we're going to rise. You don't know who's going to get playing time because you can't project all of that. Yeah, you know, you're 100% right. And I just think it's um like there's guys like here, we'll talk a little bit like a couple guys here like, you know, me, I love JD Davis. He's not his his projections aren't the best. So it's like, I, and I know his rankings, and I'm just more aggressive on him than others. So I, his rankings aren't that great. I also took Evan White, which I've been doing these daily lineup takeaways. And yesterday, I wish I, I wish that yesterday I wasn't sick and slept the whole day away. Because yesterday had a lot of lineups that could have been opening day lineups. And they were very intriguing. And now I didn't write about it, of course, naturally. But Evan well, White's your been- last one, and you had Evan White uh, from Friday's notes. You were mentioning Evan White was hitting second and fifth pretty regularly, right? Pretty regularly. Well, he hit second again. Like, he's just – it's been – it was actually fifth and second towards the beginning of spring training. Lately, it's been just second. So, he could, he could potentially be hitting second. I just don't want to put two – I don't want to say, oh, my God, he's hitting second, but I'm starting to buy in that he's going to be the number two hitter. He's batting, like, 350 in spring. Not, 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 a whole lot of, uh, not a whole lot of counting stats, but – Still, you want to see them get – you know, you still want to see him hit, and he's hitting well so far. So, he's a guy that I make sure to get in just about every draft. I reach on – because his ADP is like 400, so I reach on him a little bit. So, whatever. I and mean, once you get outside the top 200, I'd say just get your guy. So, I usually get him around pick 300, to be honest. I reach a whole 100 picks ahead of him just because I want to have – because, again, what's – how much more downside does he have than whoever else I'm taking at 300, so. Lock your guy in, get him when you can, right? Yeah, especially that late because, again, like – what's seriously what's the difference between pick 300 and pick 400 in, in all reality when you're getting that deep it's all about preference because realistically there's gonna be a couple guys that pop going that late and i think Evan white can be one so Evan white's a guy i grab at the end of even 12 teamers like make sure to grab him at the end. he's the guy you can get the end of your drafts in like a shallower league so it's like grab him at the end you know get him in the last couple of rounds he's just a guy that i want he's like the not he's like the not flashy al he could be he could win rookie of the year no one's no one should be surprised everybody's so stuck on robert but evan white could easily do it and people just forget that he's a guy he's a thing he's a the comps i've heard like i've talked to eric cross i've talked to other you know prospectors and the comps you get a lot of is like a goal like a goldschmidt type not necessarily as good like the high-end power but the fact that he has an all-around game a good defender 
Like, he could steal 10 bases, too. I'm not saying he will, but apparently he has that type of speed. So when you see – when you're hearing those comps as far as, like, what type of player he could be, I wouldn't expect that as rookie year by any means. But the fact that first base falls off the way it does, Evan White's a guy just like to take a shot on late because it can't hurt at his price. He's literally free. So, again, yeah. I have I have high hopes for him. And I think taking him – like, him and J.D. Davis are the two that I really have, have these um, lofty expectations for. Maybe to my own demise, we'll see. We 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 we, uh, we shall see. But well, with the Cordero injury, this could be a bonus now. I mean, he could be out for a while if it's. We don't know the extent of the injury yet, obviously. But it could be an oblique, yeah. And that's. I mean, I hate banking on injuries. I like Conforto a lot. I, I really do. I hate banking on injuries. But I mean, if it's the it's, Mets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the Mets. You can almost always guarantee someone's going to get hurt. I mean, there's something in the water in New York between the Yankees and the Mets. I mean, the injuries. Just flourishing the last couple of years. It's like they're sharing a, a one of those other teams. Like they're sharing the uh, the training teams or something. Yeah, it's very bizarre. The Mets obviously have been more infamous for maybe not getting ahead of starting pitcher injuries. They may have ruined Matt Harvey. There's a lot of argument about that. But I think that what stands out to me with your team, the pick I love the most is round 25 with Spencer Turnbull. And I know we're in Detroit area here, so you think it might be biased. But I think it's universally – He's a Castile. He's a guy that you can get really late, and he, he could give He's you – free. Yeah, barring injury, I don't see why he can't give you up to 200 innings. I mean, I know that's lofty because there's so few guys that give you 200, but 170 innings, no problem if he's healthy with a really good K rate. My, my thing is these days, man, give me 150 solid innings, please. Like, that's all I need because your average pitcher is, what, throwing about 170 maybe? Like, and that's – that's I, I, that's not even average. It's probably still above average as far as like if you take all the starting pitchers. So if I can get a good 150 out of them, like a low four ERA even with a solid K rate, that's not bad in today's game. I'm okay with that. And considering, see, here's the thing: I took I, I have no problem with strikeouts. I like I took I have Bueller, Giolito, uh, and Boyd. Like and and Caleb Smith, if he returns the form, obviously that's to be yet to be determined. But Caleb Smith, I broke him down in my last article. The first uh, prior to the injury and post injury, very very different pitchers. If he's gonna, go, if he goes back to what he was pre injury, it was a really really impressive K rate. So it's another guy just strikeouts. I don't need it's, and with Turnbull obviously you can't expect the wins. It's Detroit, no. but you can expect like he's a good streaming option. You pick the right you pick the right matchups. A two start week, he's a, he's a must start guy in a two start week for the most part. So I liked him. I, honestly, it's hard to argue with any pick late. I took Tywan Walker. I think is my mystery irrelevant. So. Whatever, see what happens there. Like he's uh, he's probably the first guy I cut. Whatever, but yeah, I like Turnbull. And to be honest, I wasn't even in on him. That's because of uh, Mike and I think Pollock. Those two they were fast. Those two guys were really big on him. I'm like, you know what? If they like him, <laughs> I better like him. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm not, and that's another thing. I'm not too proud to admit. Like, hey, I didn't find this guy. I didn't know about this guy first. Like, there's guys where I was ahead ahead of the game on, but you'll never. It's rare that you're the first guy to find something and say. There's always somebody quicker to the quicker to find something it's just it is what it is it's, i mean Especially i the league like this yeah yeah and well in general like for instance i found like i thought i was like i thought i was like hip to the whole oh kyle schwarber like i, I wrote about kyle, kyle schwarber back in like november just because <laughs> I, thought, I, I well i thought i was like oh wow these changes were huge and i find out that somebody wrote about them like almost like very similar information like like a, a month before i did i was like oh wow okay cool so i was the second like <laughs> but I don't know. But mine was like I, I with Schwarber, for instance. Like a reason why I like him, he's maybe he it looks like he's been bad, bad in cleanup. He uh, had a swing change about midseason last year, at some point. And with the swing change and the like, I think it was like a whole plate approach change. He actually that's why his second half was so good. And he hit like two sixty against lefties in the second half, which for him is like 
it might have even been 240, which is still great for him. He's like a career 200 hitter against lefties. And he should be playing every day. Again, batting cleanup behind, uh, well, let's see, Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez. So there should be plenty of RBI opportunities. And we can have that. We can finally have, if he just puts it all together, you can probably hit 260 with 40 bombs this year, like 120 RBIs. Like, I know it's like lofty, but hey, like he, we've seen, like, he hit 38 last year, I think it was, 35. So what's like, I, I'm, I'm saying best case scenario, we could be having a one heck of a year for Schwarber, but he's not on my TJFBI team, so nobody cares. But I wish he was because I need power. I'm lacking power in a pretty big way on this team. Well, I think the Cubs are being undervalued overall because they performed under expectations last year, but they still have a lot of really talented players who are not out of their prime yet. I, I expect the Cubs to really push for the NL Central with the Reds, and I love their offense this year. I'm totally with you on the Schwarber hype. And so I even like Ian Hat bouncing back in a major way, post-hype, hype-hype, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I, call, I call him post-post-hype. Post-post-hype, okay, very good. Um, the last guy I want to mention is uh, – James uh, Krinchak, are we – there's a lot of buzz about this guy recently. I would just like to hear your quick thoughts on him because he's a name that's popping up over the last two weeks, and some of my listeners are like, what's the deal with this guy? Okay, so it's purely speculation because you see the Indians, they seem to be like halfway in, halfway out, selling but not selling. I think Brad – I mean, it's more or less – Brad Hand struggled last year. He dealt with the injury as well, which caused him to, I think, mess up his like arm slot and all that, so it really caused him to struggle down the stretch. Karinchak, especially with Class A out for a lot for a good amount of time, he's kind of the next man up. So this is more of like a speculation type of deal. So if Hand struggles, or if Hand gets traded, he would be the next man in line. <clears throat> Excuse me, and uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, unfortunately, I, I not unfortunately. I, I actually like Brad Hand a lot. I think he's a good closer. I just I, this was me strictly chasing saves and ratios because he offers good ratios. K rate, all that stuff. He offers all that too, so he he has value in that sense as well. But he, as far as closing goes, like I said, he's one of those guys like him, Ginkle. There's a couple guys that are really obvious next men up mm-hmm. to get to, to stash. And then a 15 team league where my my two closers, because um, I try to get two at least, but I already figured I'm blowing fab on closers. I have Wade Davis, which is that's already gross. Wade I've done that a few times though. Wade Davis has been available late, and I'm taking flyers on him. I have Wade Davis, and I have I have Roberto. Roberto can't talk roberto ozuna which he's a terrible person but he's a good closer <laughs> and i have so i have one good i have pretty much one ace in the hole like one closer i can i can count on one that's gonna probably get me 10 saves before getting losing the job i think current check at the very least can get you like you know sprinkle in five in the first half and then when they sell off hand or whatever he'll probably, he it'd be too, still be between him and class a but in this format i know i'm gonna honestly I already said it and i'll tell everybody i'm gonna be blowing fab on power hitting like any type of home run hitter that pops or and uh, closers, that's gonna be what I spend my fab on. So, well, there's no doubt about it that there's gonna be closers that lose their jobs. Saves be, are available all the time, but from a lot of different players now. We have so many closer by committees that end up going on. The Giants are an example. Even the Marlins, people are saying Brandon Kinsler, but I really think Ryan Stanek would be the guy that ends up getting saves for them. So there is always opportunity for saves, especially on the waiver wire. And I like your style. I go the same route usually, depending on the league, of course. Hey, I'll get saves later. I'm not as worried about it. Steals are more of a premium than saves, I think. Yeah, I th- see. I think I did well in steals, but then it's like my issue is, is I took a shot on, well, I took a shot on Puig just because he fell to a point where I thought he was a value, and then I'm realizing like I wish I, like, if I had. There's two picks I regret because people don't talk about that. I guess people don't really talk about. Like, people are so quick to defend themselves. 
people are so quick to say, oh, well, I did this. I think I screwed up my team because I started off really strong. I think I screwed up my team with two picks, and that was taking um, that was taking Yasiel, Yasiel Puig and uh, Gavin Lux, both of which I shouldn't have taken on this on this particular team. I was shoot- this is one of those because again, I overvalued the idea of us having a free agency. I overvalued the idea of, you know what? Let me just like I, I got Colton Wong two rounds after Lux. I'd rather have Wong over Lux at this point because I know Wong is going to be leading off and probably give you the steals. And Lux is strictly an upside play, but look at that lineup. Like you said, there's just no way he's going to hit top four, top five in that lineup. So he's, if, if at all, and now there's talks of him platooning. I'm like, oh, so that pick sucks. Like, I'm not happy about it at all. And I know I understand this, like, the ceiling's there, but is it really? You know what I mean? Like, how high is the ceiling that I'm thinking of now? So he's a, he's a pick I regret. Because like these guys, I took both these guys, I think, in the first ten rounds, so or or first twelve. So mm-hmm. those very valuable pieces I skipped on for them. And I wish I if I if I had even passed on one of them and got something else that my team needed, I think I, I'd be better off. Because there's a chance Puig doesn't even play this year. Like I can't drop him either for like the first month. I just can't. Like I'm I'm gonna hold on to him, but that's like, right now I'm burning a roster spot and it's like only seven bench spots and there's gonna be valuable place. It's gonna come down to a point where it's like I guess I'm dropping them. And of course they'll sign like a week later, but so when I drop them, you're all welcome. But. Well, Mike, you're not perfect. You know, you're only human and you're doing the best you can. I know that we will sign eventually. It look, it's always one of the things I can't stand about preseason baseball is we're just seeing what's before us. It's really hard to kind of get past spring training and realize that what we're seeing now is not going to be reality. And it happens every year. And some people get more sucked up into it than others. But my question really do you? I know you give us spring training notes, so you're into what you see and you take stock in it. But do you have a limit to the stock you take in it, or it depends? Well, here's the thing: I I don't care for spring training stats at all. Like I don't look at the stats, but wow. things like positional battles and lineups, I do take stock in because if you see trends, like Shed Long's been leading off all offseason. Shed Long's a guy I like to target late in drafts. I don't have him on this team, but he's a guy that he's going to give you a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, and that's very valuable. And I put some stock into him leading off every game because obviously I, I don't know if they're just doing it to get here's the thing. They can still be, they can still be getting him reps this early because it's still early enough in spring training, but I'm watching it because I don't see why they won't lead him off. That's why the Evan white thing. It's like, he's been hitting, he hasn't hit lower than five in a lineup, maybe six. And I'm like, well, even as a top six hitter, he's still, you know, it's still not bad, especially for a rookie. So, and his ADP. So just well, like that. long because of you, Mike. Uh, there you go. My TGFBI team around 24. So thank you. You're welcome. And again, he's a, he's a middle infielder and he's a second baseman, which we all know second base is a, has a steep fall off as well. And he's a guy, again, he can give you 10 steals, like 10 steals from a second baseman. That's a win-win. And I just look at him like, I just look at him like he's a great value right now in early drafts or in drafts. We're not really early anymore. Sorry. My, I've been drafting since like November. I, I'm, a, I'm a degenerate. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's a great, he's just a great value, and again, it's just this is that's the only stock I put in spring training. I don't look at stats. Don't get me wrong, I look at stats, but like, not like I'm not like oh my, like that's why I mentioned Evan White. You want to see people hit, of course, you want to see them do better. We saw what happened with um, Travis Shaw last year in spring, and if you if you ignored him, like a lot of people did ignore the stats in spring, you got burned. But most of the time, it is what it is. You're in spring training to get to get through stuff to to kind of you know get into the groove of things. So. I don't know. It can, you know, obviously, like you said, there are examples where not watching the stats kind of burn you. But at the same time, I try not to, like with pitchers, especially because a lot of pitchers are just working on mechanics. A lot of pitchers are just working on new pitches. So that's why I focus on lineups because I think lineups can be one of the few things that stick from spring training. 
Well, I should mention that Mike is in the league of death in TGFBI, by the way. I mean, I mentioned some heavy hitters, but it is, I think, universally agreed. It's the most difficult and challenging league. So Mike's got his hands full, but I believe in you, Mike. I think this could be a big year. I know there's a long way to go, and I'm excited for you. It, it makes one of us. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, here's the thing. I, got, I, I honestly planted my flag in this league a lot. I, I pretty much wrote, I pretty much went in grabbing a lot of guys I truly believe in. And it's one of those things like, this is the perfect league that I'm either going to win with my guys or lose with my guys. And normally I don't do that. Normally I don't, I, I don't care about getting my guys, but I, I wanted to kind of see how, like how, how, how right I could be. Like I want to test like my own knowledge. Like I'm giving out this information. Why not honestly just bank on it? So that's again, bull. I, th- I, th- I just think, I don't know. I think at the end of the day, I told you, I told you where I screwed up on the offensive side of things with the pre and everyone white. It is what it is, but I like for instance for safety at the very end, I grabbed Nick Markakis. Like, does it, he's going to be hitting fifth in that lineup. People forget like he's not going to be good for home runs, but he could hit like ninety RBIs as long as he stays healthy and bat three hundred. Mm-hmm. So, I what maybe, maybe fifteen home runs though. So there's like so there's a floor guy. Garrett Cooper should be hitting fifth for the Marlins. Multi positional eligibility, and hitting fifth for the Marlins right now. If you look at their top four, which again they're they're one of the few teams that run out the same top four pretty much. It's a uh, VR Brian Anderson. Um, wow, I'm blanking on the th- – oh, Corey Dickerson and Jesus Aguilar. Those are the top four. So then you have Cooper hitting fifth behind them. There should be a decent RBI, RBI, RBI opportunity there. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be fantastic. I know it's not a great roster, but it's one of the better ones the Marlins have had in a couple of years. So maybe, maybe – see, maybe that's where the fandom played in. But honestly, I know Garrett – but we saw Garrett Cooper. He flashed, he flashed a little bit last year. There's talks of him get, uh, raising his launch angle a little bit, getting the ball in the air more. He hits the ball hard enough to where if he puts the ball in the air more, it'll lead to more power production. So these are the guys I grabbed late because I had so much upside early. Oh, I took Travis Shaw. He's more of a just in case because it's Toronto. And if he, like, we saw two – here's the thing. With Travis Shaw, man, last year was like the stand – like you know how like people reference Bauer and his one year being good as being the uh, outlier? Well, if you look at last year with Travis Shaw, it was one year being bad out of the last three. His batting average has never been a real – Big thing. I mean, he hit like 280, I think, two years ago, 270. But then last year or two years ago, he hit uh, 240. I expect him to be close to that 240, 250 hitter. But I think last year he hit like what 198 with like. And, and if you look at it, his launch angle took. A, it's like he messed with his swing because his launch angle took a huge spike upward, and with it came like all these struggles. So I think there was a. I think he's trying to get his swing back, his mechanics back under him or back in the, back into the groove of things. I can't even talk right. I can't talk right now, man. I'm sick. But uh, <laughs> Travis Shaw is a guy that. Uh, I'm just like, why, well, why not? I mean, and again, I need, I need power. He could be a 30 home run guy again. I'm not saying he will be, but at his price, he's again, another guy that's free in drafts that people are just like writing him off after one bad year after he's shown a track record of being consistently decent. Yeah. So. This was a hot name a couple of years ago, last couple of years when he came to Milwaukee. I completely agree with you on Travis Shaw. He is legit. I've taken him late in other leagues. Uh, I play in a score sheet league where I took him. He's going to be my starting third baseman. I believe he will get at bats, and in Toronto, he's going to kick butt. Very confident in that. And he's going to be batting fifth behind Vlad. Oh, yeah, he's that's another thing. He's been again. What I've been watching, he's been slotting in fifth. He's and the top four there is Biggio and Bichette, one and two in some form. Then you have Guriel three, Vlad four, and Shaw five. And those are all. I mean, Guriel's not the most OBP guy, but that's a pretty like everybody else in front of him pretty much gets on base a ton. So there's going to be a lot of RBI opportunities there for sure, and it's going to be very interesting to see if he can. Like I said, give me – honestly, I'll take – if he hits 230 but puts up 30, 35 bombs, like, yes, please. Like, uh, I'll take the bat- – I, I can absorb the batting average. This team can absorb the batting average, so I, I need the power.
Okay, so that is Mike's TGFBI team. We're wishing you best of luck this year. Uh, I'm really excited to see how I do. I have no idea what will happen. It's all for sure in it too, man. Yeah. I'm, it's for sure. So I'm with you. Like, I'm, 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 and everybody likes their team. I'm, I'm, I'm obviously rooting for you too, but I want to win the overall. But yeah, sure. I'll, you can come in second. How about that? <laughs> hey, that's fine. Hey, if I finish top four, I can take it year one. Year one gives you a lot more leeway to be like, you know what? I'd just be happy to finish a certain amount. I Hopefully, just don't want to be last. Like, let me, I just don't want to be Mr. Irrelevant. Don't let me be last. Let me be top. I want to be a top 100 guy. Let me be top 100. I, I'm, not, I'm not selfish. Yeah, that kind of hurts a little bit. If you're kind of you're running a baseball network, a fantasy baseball network, and you finish last, it's a, it's a bad look. I don't know how you explain well, that. I was, ta- I was actually, yeah, right? I was actually talking to George and uh, Zach a little bit about it. I think maybe Mike. I'm not sure which one. I think maybe all three. We have a group text, and then we have a side. T- I don't know. Anyway, I was just saying how lately it's like I feel like I give better analysis than, I ha- than actually drafting of late. Like, I've been so into giving analysis. I've been so into helping others that it's like when I actually have to draft my own teams, I'm like dropping the ball a little bit. So – We'll see how it goes. Like I'm, I'm, I'm. I honestly, I, I believe my analysis 100. Like my process, I really feel is really good, and I feel like I'm giving good information to people. The problem is, is I don't think I'm following through on the draft side of things. But eh, we'll see. I mean, we'll see how it goes. I know 15 teamers. I've always, I haven't really played a lot of them until this year. So it's one of those things that like my goal at the end of the day. I, honestly, it's beyond the money for me. I obviously I used to go. I still want to return. I still want to get some return on investment as far as my money goes. But if I can just learn my strengths and weaknesses and, and adapt, that's I'm very transparent. By the way, I'll tell every like I, my podcast every, anywhere I go. I'm very transparent. Like, look, if I screw up, if I'm wrong, I will admit I'm wrong. But the, I, the goal is to learn from it and, and be able to see why I was wrong and hopefully move forward and better myself. So hopefully, by losing money or losing, I better myself for everybody else. That's the idea. So no, people can spot a fake very easily. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, if you're not authentic in this. Even if you're wrong, it's okay. Just be honest about it and. It actually could be a positive experience, I think, for listeners or readers to express what you did wrong and showing your process because it helps yeah. them understand what, how you came to your projections or your, your favorite players, your least favorite players, and the mistakes you made in a moment of a draft where you may have more time than others. Or if you're in a minute and a half draft, which is very, very fast, you can make a mistake like that and regret it later. I made a mistake with a four-hour clock. I made two mistakes with a four-hour <laughs> clock. So if I can make two, if I can make two mistakes that, with a four-hour clock – you know, that's, again, exactly. I, 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 I really think I was just getting cute with those picks because I just saw the upside there, but I should have maybe played it safer as all. Well. Usually I like to play it safer, but I was like, this is TGFBI. I got to get, got to get, got to have fun and I'm regretting it. So we'll see. But anyway, we can move on. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> okay. So we do this, me and Deary, every week when we record our podcast, we do shine or ride the pine and we give him or he gives me 15 names. 15 players with projections or just a comment, a stat. You either say you're in, they're shining, or they're riding the pine on this. Do you think you can handle this, Mike? We shall see, sir. <laughs> All right. So this is quick hitter. Feel free to go a little bit deeper since you're a very special guest. But otherwise, just give us a, hey, I'm in or I'm out. It's up to you. All right. First one we got is Jose Martinez of the Tampa Bay Rays. 25 home runs. Do you believe? Uh, no, I, I, I can't, man. That, that, that's a mess over there. Not that he doesn't have the skill to do it. It's just such a mess over there. Him, Choi, they keep fighting for first bases. Oh, yeah, these aren't going to be quick hitters. I'm going to talk about everyone. <laughs> Him and Choi just uh, constantly go back and forth. You have Susugo there who's fighting for DH spot, uh, at bats as well. Renfro. I know Renfro doesn't play first base, but DH is what I'm looking at. Um, I'm just – there's just so much there, man. I, I don't see how he can hit 25 in a part-time – or most likely a part-time role. So, 
I'm going to have to say I'm going to take the under on the 25 home runs. But I'm not happy about it because Martinez is a really good bat. So Maybe I should have made it 20. I, don't, I, I know there's so many players, but I just feel like if he gets the time, there's an opportunity for him to really pop because he's, say, he's made for the AL with the DH. Yeah. I know, but then you have Choi playing for uh, – let's honestly – I got to think about this. You have Choi – again, Choi and Susugo are really going to make or break this because I don't understand – they have three players, and Susugo plays outfield as well, so that's – that could be a way, of, you know, and he plays third base, I believe. But and, he and Nate Lowe. Oh, I don't think Nate Lowe's gonna be a thing, unfortunately. Like as much as I like Nate Lowe, they haven't. They barely played him in spring training. Like really, like the one time you're supposed to see what you got in a kid, they they barely played him. And when they play him, they play him at third base. So it's like they don't even play him at first. So I'm not too worried about him playing. Um, about Nate Lowe, but I don't know. I just I think it's really him and Choi. But at the same time, like you said, I think I think Martinez should play DH more often than not. But uh, it's just so like like. Yeah. Gosh, so many, so many names, so much going on there, man. It's such a frustrating. You're so game. funny, Mike. Like, you, you want this so bad. We all want players to succeed that we especially know can succeed. But the way rosters are being created, especially by smart teams, is their injury fear has created a roster overload. You think about the Cardinals outfield. You think about Tampa Bay. There's a lot of spots now where it's the Mets outfield too. It's there's so many guys, but there's not enough playing time right now. No, definitely. And I pulled up the roster resource just to see what they thought. And yeah, they have Choi at first base, Renfro in right field, and Susugo at DH. And that's the thing. It's like I can buy into that. Like that, that, that sounds very real. But then you have Mar- like, obviously Martinez is going to is going to get his. But I think it's going to be at DH because obviously we know his fielding is less than desirable. So we'll see. It's, like I said, it's just a mess. It's just a mess right now. Yeah. If he's as good as Nelson Cruz in the 2011 World Series, that would be nice. I don't see that happening. <laughs> I don't think so. All right, what about Garrett Hampson, our favorite team, Mike? A team that you share a passion with mine of ripping apart to shreds because they drive you crazy with their roster and playing time selections. The Colorado Rockies. Will Garrett Hampson give us 23 stolen bases at least this year? No, he's not. No, no. And the Rockies, I'm done. I like. I don't believe it. I don't. I don't even know that team. There's. There's only 29 major league teams. I don't believe like they don't. They're not even a major league team anymore. Like they're done. <laughs> like I'm done. I'm done with them. Like 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 this is one of the most frustrating lineups to follow in spring because like I, I Josh Josh Fuentes. I can't argue. I can't. I can't talk about him enough. Like I must be his only fan or not even a fan. That's not the right word, obviously. But I just I notice he gets ways too much playing time. Tapia plays almost every day already, and it's literally Hampson in. Or, and Hilliard out, or Hilliard in and Hampson out, and I don't. And it's weird because like they're not even out. Like when they're out, it's like like even when Hampson's in, he's not playing center field. So I'm like, where's Hilliard at? And it's like, and then you have what? You have Murphy, you have Desmond, you have uh, McMahon. Who McMahon's pretty much playing second base. They said already. I think it's gonna take a. Tr- and then you have Brendan Rodgers, who probably come up some at some point eventually, screw things up and. But who cares what they say, though? Because it's such a mystery all the time. They don't just, do what they say. No, you're right. But they also don't do what they should either. <laughs> yeah. It's like, again, Ian Desmond, Dan Mur- Daniel Murphy. Well, Murphy's okay. I could get that. for At first base, I could get behind that, I guess. I guess. But I don't know. And then, you, of course, Hampson played shortstop or something. But then you have Trevor Story, you have Arenado. But I, I just don't. I just don't. I'm not doing it. I, I've I've moved him down my draft boards. I haven't, I haven't drafted Hampson because there's always somebody who believes in the fact that he's going to steal these bases. But. I don't think he's going to get enough playing time. I just don't see it. It's it's unfortunate because I root for the I, – I always want their young guys to succeed, but they don't want their young guys to succeed. So how can I expect it to happen? Oh, I hate the Rockies. <laughs> oh, God. I uh, totally agree with you. This I, I just want to push this narrative or whatever you want to call it. This is 
2020 is a year that the Rockies need to be ripped to shreds for their ridiculous, absurd roster choices. Sorry, Bud Black. I actually like Bud Black, but I think it's the front office that is kind of pulling the strings on this. What about Will Myers? Now, this is just, I know you can't predict this, but what are the chances Will Myers plays for a different team this season? A different team? Uh, I mean, if it hasn't happened by now, I'd still, I, I would honestly still put it at 50. It's a boring answer, but 50-50 chance. I, I still think by trade deadline, if they're still willing to eat the money to move them, mm. they will. But I think a lot of it's going to depend on his performance. Now, he has been getting regular run over Cordero lately as far as in the lineup. So I just noticed that the other day. I was like, where's Franchi Cordero been? And he hasn't been. I don't know. Is he hurt? I, haven't seen, I haven't seen any news if he's hurt or anything like that. But How does I know? As far as I know, he's not. So Will Myers has been getting regular run in left field. Franchi hasn't been playing all that much in spring training, so maybe that's their way of like as well, even if they want, even though they want to give Cordero the shot, maybe they want to build Myers's uh, confidence up, build his trade value up. Exactly. Move him. That's what but, I see. But we'll see. I mean, that's why I'm saying 50-50 because I think I think there's a legitimate chance. But to, to say there's, it's just obviously we've seen one trade talk already fall apart with the Red Sox. So I don't know. Like they're obviously willing to eat some of the money. I just. They haven't yet, so I don't know what's going on there, to be honest, but it is what it is. But, yeah, so he actually might start over Cordero, which adds some value to him in fantasy leagues because he's been, again, going so late because Cordero has been thought to be a starter. So we'll see. It's, that's one of those I started monitoring lately because, again, a lot of people may not realize that he's been getting all this playing time and Cordero hasn't, and Cordero needs it. Cordero doesn't – you know, he doesn't have all the reps. He doesn't have, like, the, the history. He doesn't have all the reps from playing previous seasons. He's a young kid who needs to get those reps in now, and he's not getting them, so – Makes you wonder what's going on there. And with the lack of depth in first base this season, or at least it appears to be, if Will Myers can start first base eligible, that really helps out. Plus, he can steal. And if you get steals, if you get 10, 15 steals at first base, if he's playing regularly, that's very nice. Definitely. He's just – the one year I'm out on him is the year he's going to pop again. <laughs> oh, I, dude, I, you want to talk about being wrong? I'm, I was all over Will Myers last year. I was like, oh, I, I have to have him. He's a guy I'm gra- grabbing everywhere. He's going around pick, he's going around pick 100. I was like, oh, I got to have him. Now, like, I'm like, oh, I'm done. You broke my heart. <laughs> yeah. When I missed, like, last year, when I hit, I hit big because I was really big on the Quetzal Marte late. But it was weird because I was big on him for his speed because he had, like, this 15 – he had, like, this sprint speed, like, 90th percentile sprint speed. It was like, I'm like, oh, he can steal 20 if he actually tries. I didn't think he was going to hit 35. I wouldn't, I'm not going to lie. Like, oh, I saw that coming. No way. Whatever. But, like, so I had Quetzal Marte, uh, Polanco, Jorge Polanco, for the same reasons, the whole speed, the potential for speed late. And, again, he didn't steal, but he hit, like, 20-something bombs and hit, like, 300. Longo, so, great, yeah. So, yeah, uh, Josh Bell was another guy I was in. I was all over. And, again, like, I hit big. But then I, when, I, when I missed, I missed big, too. So, it's like I broke even because I, I was big on Bauer, Thor, and Myers. So, you can, you can imagine how that – yeah, so it's like, oh, yeah, I broke even. So, again, like, I can I take these victory laps. But, man, like, like, like these those, those, those early round things, like, well, like, pitching killed me last year. So, I actually did what I could have really improved my pitching analysis this year. Because, like, last year – I was obviously really, really off. So Ooh. I'm hoping to fix that. We'll see. What about Luis Urias of the Brewers coming back from a wrist injury? Will he start 100 games this year? Uh, ooh, 100 games, yeah. I think, I think he'll be back in time. I think once he's back, he's the starter. Really? Um, yeah. No worries about Orlando Arcia rising up this spring? I know you and Matt Williams talked about this on your last pod. Matt, and Matt, you said you would Matt. take a look at him further, but I there's still <laughs> a lot of talk about him having a legitimate bat. I, I definitely, I definitely did not, uh, definitely did not look into him because I, I just, <laughs> I can't. Uh, not that, but apparently, when someone has tangible change, which is like my favorite phrase ever, 
Um, I usually tend to look into it a little more. And apparently he has a little bit of a swing adjustment that's uh, turned into some decent results in spring. I just I don't know, man. I think they, there's a reason why they went out and traded Urias. Urias made that change last year as far as putting the ball in the air more in AAA over in San Diego. So I think he comes back. I do think he'll – I mean, obviously if Arcia starts hot, it would be harder for them. But if Arcia is Arcia – then, then it shouldn't take much for Uri. Urias was going to be the starter prior to the, you know, prior to the injury. So they traded. I, I mean, yeah, they made a big move for him. I think there's a reason why they wanted him, and I think he. Sh- I'm going to take. I'm going to take the hundred games. I think he's going to start. I think once he comes back, shows he's healthy. I think I, I'm going to just bang on RCA being RCA. I know he's young, so the adjustments could be real. But hey, we'll see. I'm going to. I'm going to. I had to choose today. I would still take Urias over RCA. So well, that makes me feel good because I took Urias in my home league draft on Sunday night. Yeah. I hope you're right. I hope I'm right too. Because if not, then if not, then just delete the audio. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll delete this podcast. Don't worry. What about Ryan Mountcastle? Can he hit 17 home runs in Major League Baseball this season? 17 home runs. I love Ryan Mountcastle. That's a good number because I expect him to be up relatively early too. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna be optimistic here and say yes. Oh. Because I am really optimistic on him. I you look at that bat. He has like 20 to 25 home run pop in it. He hits about you know two seventy ish batting average, probably two sixty at the major league level for his rookie year. But and he's at Camden. I was gonna say Camden. Camden will carry it. And plus, now you you mentioned um, you have the Mancini injury, or it's still unknown what exactly is going on. It's a personal thing, which obviously I hope he gets well soon. All that. So I, I never I hate to see any type of injury, but let alone potentially like when I, when I hear non when I hear medical, like I always th- I start thinking cancer and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like I, that's where I think that's where my head went with his. Yeah, me too. So I'm hoping I'm you know obviously hoping uh, well wishes all that but I just that leaves kind of a spot for him now you know like you gotta look on the fantasy we have to kind of go to the fantasy side of things I don't think he breaks camp with them as much as I want him to uh, Mount Castle's been and he's beginning all his reps in the outfield so it's like he's being prepped to be an outfielder so I think once they pass that super two date he'll be up one of those first ones up what probably mid May or something like that early May mid May. If the ball is the same, generally, and he's hitting at Camden and he comes up at the Super 2, he should definitely hit this. He, there's, I don't see why he wouldn't. There are talks. I've, I've read them a few places. I, I, of course, listen, man, I, I got a chance to talk to Nick Pollock. And if you, if you, if you want to – if anything pitching, Nick Pollock says something, you kind of listen. Apparently, because, like, you know, he talks to major leaguers. You get, it's awesome. Like, he gets his little you – know, Yeah, that Matt Boyd recently. You want, yeah, you want to call – and, of course, I, I wish I was – I was at that uh, again first first Florida. We all went to that game, and Boyd was pitching, so we got a chance to talk to Boyd afterwards. It was kind of cool, but I was uh I was just talking to him at, again at first pitch, and he was just mentioning that a few guys he's talked to. They've mentioned that the ball is like kind of like the, the laces are ri- raised a little bit. They're close just closer to the 2018 ball. I guess they got what they wanted out of the 2019 ball, or they're just blowing through 2018 balls in the spring. Before <laughs> who knows? But like it makes you wonder because obviously you're seeing like I think Thor is one of them that his sliders back up into the 90s and. Um, a couple other guys are like they're obvi- I, I think Tanaka mentioned he could grip his pitch better. Like these are big. This is a big deal because like the ball won't travel as far. So a lot of these guys that were fringe home run guys in the beginning, like some of them will stick, but a lot of them won't. Like you'll have guys like like Mercado. Unfortunately, got hurt, but he was a big guy that I was like I was fading because I was like if the ball changes at all, he's barely a twelve to fifteen home run guy. The steals mm-hmm. were real, but I don't mm-hmm. know. He was a guy at his price I wasn't big on, and just like I don't know, man. We'll see. But that, yeah, it goes back to Mount Mountcastle. I knew I was trying to remember what it was going back to. Mountcastle, just with the ball being less juiced, I still think, regardless if it's back to 2018, I think the ball, again, it goes back to being in Camden Yards. And I think that, that, that ballpark and that division as a whole, very favorable for a hitter. So I think 17 home runs, assuming it comes up 
early in the year is very realistic. And again, that, that should that should come with a solid batting average, 260 to 270-ish, though. What about the Twins as a whole? Can they hit 280 home runs or more? Last year, we all know they hit 300. They set the all-time record. But if you're saying the ball might be changing, maybe you would fade this. I'm still going to do that. That line's ridiculous. I'm going to take it. Why not? Yeah. It's fun. You add Donaldson, why not, right? <laughs> yeah, you add Donaldson. and Donaldson. And- Here's the thing. Yeah, a healthy Snow, Donaldson. Like that's And then obviously, if, if Nelson Cruz could stay healthy all year, like you're talking about three guys right there, that's what? Up, upwards of 90 home – that's easily easily 90 home runs. There's those three. That's 30 each. You're talking about at least 90. That's, again, that's low end. You know, Snow can literally put up 50 in a healthy year. Cruz can put up 50 in a healthy year. So, like, like I know that's a crazy number, but realistically the three of them can put up easily 120, just the three of them together. Like, not easily, but, like, I'd say like I'd say high-end 120 right there with three players. It doesn't include Garver who could put up some if, – if, if any of those – uh, numbers stick from last year as far as like his his uh batted ball profile. Rosario, added, yeah. Rosario, yeah, Rosario put up a good amount. Like obviously, there's a reason why they broke the record last year, but if, it's all about health with them. But that number, that 280, very realistic, especially when again you can get almost half that from just three of their hitters. So absolutely, I agree. What about Luis Robert? Can he? Can Luis Robert give us 25 steals at least this year? Even if he's down in the lineup, he could steal. Uh, yeah, I don't see him. I, I don't know. I, I'm gonna. Uh, am I gonna? Am I? Do I dare take the under on that? Because I know that's like kind of like not popular. But I'm gonna. I don't have the confidence in it because I'm gonna say under, but not by a lot. I think he'll be closer. I think he'll be like 20 ish, which is fine. So I'm getting technical, but he's that's fine unless he shows that he can hit at the big league level. Which again, spring training is one thing, but we'll see what happens when he gets you know games going. But I don't say I've even looked up his stats in spring training because again, spring training stats don't really mean much. But it's the, it's it's really because of this. It's um, he's batting eighth or ninth. He just is. Like you look at that lineup, and let's see if I can do it off the top of my head. You have uh, you have Mancada and Anderson at the top, top two always. You have um, let's oh wow, I'm already losing it. Yeah, I know there's Grandall, Edwin, Eloy right there, three, four, five. And then you have Mazzara, and I know there's somebody else I'm forgetting. Abreu? Abreu, yeah. Abreu's probably third. There you go. See? So, right there, right there, you have, what, seven guys ahead of him, basically. And the only person hitting behind him is going to be whoever plays second base for them. Like, whatever. No one even cares Hopefully about Hopefully it's Madrigal. I hope. <laughs> it's not gonna, uh, yeah, it's not going to be Madrigal. Madrigal, even, Madrigal barely plays in the spring training. And when he does, he's still batting ninth. Like, what the hell is that about? Like, get the guy some reps, man. Yeah, but, that pulls me out. But it's not going to be Madrigal, looks like. He's one of those guys that are probably going to come up early in the year. But even then, if Madrigal comes up, he's more likely to move up the lineup before Robert because Madrigal is a better hitter. But Robert, I, I, was, I think it was Chris Blessing I was talking to about it, and um, he has a hard time seeing spin on the ball, meaning like he'll struggle or should struggle with breaking pitches a little bit at the major league level. Mm-hmm. But his hand-eye coordination makes up for it to a point apparently again these are things that i don't know to look for because i'm not a, i'm not a guy who's like i want to be like i want to get there i want to be able to see what they're saying but i don't i'm not gonna lie to you and act like i knew that i was like what <laughs> i i always i always heard that he struggled with breaking pitches though and it's one thing to hit triple a pitching the way he did it's another thing to, to face major leaguers with the uh you know major leaguers they, they know how they, it's different they have better they have better t- they have better coaching they have better tape they they uh they have better sequencing. Like people don't like sequencing. You can't put that in the numbers, but you better believe they're gonna come at them with breaking pitches all the time and make them make him prove either a he can wait or b that he can hit them. And realistically, I think at the end of the day, I'm expecting closer to like a two. Like I could see like a two thirty hitter. I mean, hopefully he hits like two fifty, but I can see a two thirty hitter 
with um, and just have struggles getting on base a lot. And again, he's hitting at the bottom of the lineup, so it's less opportunity. I just again, I'm not as optimistic as others this year. I think for long term, he's gonna be fine. But this year, I think his draft price is too high, and I just can't get behind it. Oh, I love it. Thank you for verifying what I believe to be true. He's gonna be a draft make or break kind of guy for a lot of people because some people are going way in on him a little early, buying the hype. I'm going to have to take – like I said, I'm going to have to fade it. But if I'm wrong, I'll eat crow because yeah. it's just a matter of risk and reward. And I don't well, you said more. it might be a couple anyways. If he steals 22 bases, I mean, that's still – that's solid. This is an arbitrary yeah. number just to kind of give us a ballpark. That's true. What about now who Hanyo Suarez can hit 40 home runs this year? When is he coming back? Like, that's mm-hmm. the thing. Um, I know he's taking BP. Last I saw, he was taking some BP. But um, that ballpark, man – Okay, so I guess I'll give a boring answer here. If he's healthy earlier than later, then I'm going to say yes. But if he misses, like, all of April or March and April, if he misses all of March and April, then I'm going to have to say, was that five months? That's pushing it. I guess he could still. I mean, no, I would say no if he misses a month, though. So, no, oh, it's going to be close. That's a good number. Um, I'm going to say yes as of now because I think he's going to be back sooner than later. So, What about Dominic Smith? Does Dominic Smith get 400 at-bats this year? No, stop it. No, Dominic Smith. No, well, maybe not with the injury, but I don't know why. Even okay, so even when Davis was out, they still were like playing Dominic Smith. Like they gave him some reps in the outfield, but he was actually getting a lot of his reps at first base. Oddly enough, as if like as if uh, Alonzo wasn't there. So I don't know. You would think that a guy like that, like especially if he's technically if he's in a battle, I'm, I'm doing air quotes. Like you can see me. People are listening, right? But if 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 he, if he was truly in a battle for the outfield spot, he'd be getting those reps in the outfield while J.D. Davis is out. He has not, at least not that much, as much as um, you would expect. So I'm just not seeing the regular play. 400 bats, that's that's probably – it would take another – it would take an injury or two still. Because I think, again, this injury with uh, Conforto, if it's anything serious, I think that's J.D. Davis's spot now. And maybe maybe that would – but then again, that maybe that helps Dominic Smith. So 400, that's a good number. I'm going to take the under – but not confidently because – and I refuse to draft him anyway, so it doesn't matter. I took him with my very last pick in TGFBI just because I'm really glad I did. Mancini got hurt. He was my main first baseman, so I was very, very minimal. I wish uh, – actually, the next guy I'm going to talk about and ask you about, Miguel Cabrera. I wish I would have picked him up like a few rounds earlier. Will Miguel Cabrera, who you are getting excited about, 20 home runs this year. He has not done that in four years. 2016 was the last time he hit at least 20 home runs. Let's make it happen. We're going to take the 20 this year. We're going to do it. Wow, really? Detroit fans just, would love to hear that. I'm going to – I know he hasn't done it in a while, and I'm just buying the hype. Um, <laughs> I really – I saw him hit a homer off Cole. I'm sold. Like, that's <laughs> all it took. But, dude, like, the guy looks skinny. Like, in that, in that particular bat, like, the guy looked like he was in great shape. Like, he finally put that money into a chef. Like, all that money he's made, he finally got himself a personal chef or something. And, like, there dude, it is. The guy, the, I come looks, spring, the classic guy comes to spring training in shape a bit. Here it is. <laughs> he, dude, we saw Devers said he, Devers was last year, and look what happened with Devers, you know. But I'm not expecting a resurgence by Mickey by any means. But, like, another thing I need to look, look at is I need to go watch some of his spring training tape if I can find it anywhere for free anyway because um, that swing looked a little different. Mickey's always had that one-arm release. You know, he hits the ball in the, the back. He, he kind of has that one arm where he releases the bat all the way around. With that home run against Cole, he held on to the bat all the way through. So I'm not sure if there's like anything new, like new to his swing a little bit, maybe because he's always been more of like the like I said, I've always I've always seen Miggy as the guy that's I his swing is pretty much like everyone knows it, but that swing looked a little different. Again, it was a quick little snippet, so it's hard for me to tell if it's a, if it's a reworked swing or not. 
but it's something like that with a guy with his, you know, talent. I mean, he's still a good hitter. So I'm curious to see if that was just the, the swing he put on that particular ball for that's kind of a, kind of a newer swing this, this year. So that's something I'm watching early, but he's a guy that you could take late in drafts because why not? But last here's the thing. Apparently last spring, which I, again, I don't look at spring stats, but this year I think he hit like, he's hit three home runs hitting over like 330 right now in spring last year. He put what five home runs and hit over 330 again last yes, year. Yes, he so, did. <laughs> so and so we a, all saw the results of that. <laughs> exactly. So 136 games, he couldn't even uh, he could he had shown no power whatsoever. It looked like he was zapped. But hopefully there's a change. You are right about we know that classic Miggy swing. It always ends with the the arm like straight out and bat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's yeah. a good thing. He Point, didn't do it. He didn't do it on that swing. I, I was first thing I noticed was like, because first off, like I said, it didn't look. He didn't look heavy. So it, I was like, that didn't even look like Miggy. And then the swing wasn't very Miggy like either. So I don't know. Like it just threw me off. I was like, okay, so I guess this is Miggy. Like it's like <laughs> it's like he's like half the size of the old Miggy. What happened? No, seriously, the guy looks like he's in great shape, which is always a step in the right direction for a guy trying to prolong his career and just trying to you know show that he's not done. So we'll see. Um, he, he at his price, you really can't. You know what I mean? Like, you can't argue. Like, what's, what's it going to hurt to take a shot? You would just drop him, whatever. Yeah. All right, we got two left here. Uh, Charlie Blackman, will he have an OPS of 900 or better? Is that possible this year? I mean, you have Coors as your home. I'm going to take the under because I, I feel like he's one of the ones that might get traded at the deadline. I don't know why. It's a weird – like, there's no proof. There's, there hasn't been any rumblings. But I feel like if there's anybody that's going to be traded, they're going to try to get promoted that contract. He's older. And the Rockies – they're always like if they're willing to sell Arenado, they're definitely gonna be willing to sell Blackman at the deadline if they can. I don't know. It's a weird. It's a weird. Like I have no reason to believe this. I haven't heard anything about it, but for some reason I have this weird feeling he's gonna be dealt. That's all. So I'm taking it under. No, no reason. <laughs> no, I like that. You got to go with your gut. Trust yourself. We have a lot of in my home league. We argue a lot about Charlie Blackman and how good he is. It goes on for days. And he is good. He, he's really good, but he's better with cores, just like anybody else. Mm. So I'm taking the under because I feel like he's not. I feel like he might leave course. Yeah, yeah. He had 860 last year. He's hit 900 OPS a couple times over the last few years, but he's not stealing anymore. And if he leaves course, he's definitely not going to hit that number. I agree. Okay, so what about DJ LeMayhew? Is it crazy to think that he has great? He's got great average every year. He can hit for average, but can he have an OBP of 370 or better? Oh. I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it's possible but unlikely. Mm. Maybe <laughs> I don't know. That's a good one. I know it's very um, specific, but I mean, last year he had OBP of 375 when he hit 327, which was yeah. one of the highest averages he's had since 2016. I wonder. Well, he actually had like a little bit of. I believe he was one of the ones that actually, after leaving cores, put some loss in his swing. Jerk. And uh, <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm just I, I just pulled up his page. He's put up OBPs of 375 or was 370 you said 370 yeah. or better. 370 or better. Three of the last four years. Two of those two of those two of those years have been in cores. Oh man. Contract year. I don't know. I don't know either. I'm not happy. <laughs> uh it's such a good number. I'm I'm still gonna say the under just because it's not very likely, but I'm I think it's even close. I think it'll be, like if it's three sixty five, technically I win. But like, am I really, am I really a winner if I pick the under and it's that close? You know what I mean? Uh, I think, I think at the end of the day, he's gonna be such a solid, safe, high floor guy in general that the OBP it's gonna be there. I think, it's, I think three sixty, three sixty five, 
honestly, if, three, if he did 375 again, it wouldn't surprise me. I think he obviously he had a career year last year. It was incredible, and he took it to a level with the home runs that he had not done before. If anything, I could have gave you a home run number that was maybe less, but I, we have this argument in a league I'm in about his OBP, and he's more – it's an OBP league. He hits for average, but he doesn't have an incredible walk rate. It's, it's okay. It's not something amazing, though. So we wonder if he's really worth it as much in an OBP league. That's why I brought it up. OBP leagues, I, I always tend to go for the OBP guys with the power, like Harper I love, stuff like that. So that's not the same range. Like Conforto, I'd rather have um, – it depends, obviously. Yeah, usually Conforto because I think Conforto's OBP is a safe – I don't know, maybe not. I don't know because, again, his OBP, again, three out of the last four years have been 375 or better or 370 or better. So Yeah, it's not terrible. I mean, it's not bad, absolutely. His OBP is great. It's just it's actually I, better than Adam Eaton's is, and Adam Eaton is known as a guy who gets on base with a good eye. So I'm wondering – I really am wondering how much he was a benefactor of that juice ball. I know short porch over there in Yankee stadium, but if you put the ball in the air just as much this year and the ball isn't juiced, how many of those come up short, you know, like just thinking out loud. Well, you did it, Mike. You survived shine or ride the pine. I love the answers. This was definitely in depth. I loved your, you wouldn't quick hit it, man. You just, I love your analysis. You go for it. I really respect that. Oh, I, I was going to say, I apologize if you want a quick hitting answers because that's not my No, answer. no. I can't do that. I can't. I got to talk. Can you you got to be you, Mike, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure. Uh, you can find Mike at basesloadednetwork.com. He's got his Bases Loaded pod with him and George Montanez. It's all available there. Any final words, Mike? Um, No, I just appreciate you having me. If you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Mike underscore Curland. Uh, George, Zach, Mike, all great guest hosts. Oh, guest hosts. Yeah, co-hosts. Uh, guest hosts. God, they're going to kill me for that one. Uh, great guys. You can find all of them on Twitter as well. We're all there. If you just want to hit us up on Twitter any which way, we're glad to help you out as much as we can. And don't forget the Open Bar Podcast as well. Those guys are really fun dudes. They joined us at the same time. So I feel like they're, our, they're like our spirit animals. They're with us on a journey. Uh, I'm just hoping. I'm just hoping it's well worth. It. I'm just hoping it all works out for all of us, man. I mean, this is just me seeing what we can do with what we got. You know what I mean? Like, just take a shot, and what's worse that happens? It fails. Whatever. Like, <laughs> whatever. That's how I look at it. Like, yeah. Can't, can't, fun. <laughs> I say, we, we'll have fun. We'll have fun the, uh, along the way as well. So. Well, I could have done this for hours. Thank you so much. It was really engaging, and I, I, I had so much more stuff I could have got into. But I know you got to go and you got stuff to do. So thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate it. Oh no problem. I appreciate your time, man. I appreciate you having me on. down, turn around, I'm staring at the sink, lonely heart, I must think that she needs something to drink, I can't believe you ate those pills, I put them out of reach, go outside, I need some time, my mind is